0: it can feel spiritual, it can feel magic. That feeling that w- most of us are striving for is to have something that is both giving us adrenaline and making us feel safe.
1: I think the third piece to this is kindness. Is there passion, safety, and kindness? That's the trifecta for loving, committed relationships. And that's what I'm moving towards and prioritizing in my life. Today's guest is Roxanne McDonald. She's a writer and she's also the person behind the Instagram account, spiritual underscore AF. And Today, we talk about kindness. We also talk about attraction and how to use attraction to cultivate relationships in your life that aren't romantic and why we're attracted to certain people. We also talk about the importance of speaking to yourself in a kind and loving way and how you speak to yourself matters and that underneath it all, all the negative self-talk that we sometimes engage in this idea that you are lovable no matter what just by virtue of being born you're lovable and you're worthy of love and you're capable of giving love that's it so today kindness love and attraction my name is sean galinas and this is the love drive Are you done fiddling with stuff?
0: Yes, I'm no longer fiddling.
1: That's the intro to the to the podcast, by the way.
0: <laughs> Are you done fiddling with stuff?
1: Yeah. Could okay. you Could you inter- introduce yourself, please?
0: Hi, I'm Roxanne McDonald. I'm a writer, and I have a social media platform based on personal development and spirituality with a sense of humor
1: and memes,
0: and memes, lots of memes and videos.
1: And full disclosure, we're friends. Yes. But also, we only met that one time.
0: Have we only met in person
1: once? Is that true?
0: I don't know. Oh, Sean, no. You're totally my friend, though.
1: I know, but isn't that strange?
0: Yeah. I feel like we hang out all the time because I watch you on social media and then we call each other and and stuff
1: the one-way power of social media intimacy yeah. <laughs> yes is so strange
0: yeah but it's real though I have people online that I have never ever met in person that I really feel connected to and I don't feel like it's some fake thing
1: no and I look forward to the to the moment in which I can meet people that I've been interacting with online for years yeah. It might behoove us to explain to people where we met. Okay. Do you want to do that?
0: Well, if they listen to your last episode or the one before that, because it was a two-parter, wasn't it? It was. Okay. Well, I think in the first part of your, you were at an erotic masseuse episode, you talked about going to Esalen for a massage workshop and i met you there at the toast station in the cafeteria or the the dining hall of eslin i was teaching a writing workshop and it was late at night i believe and you came up to me at the toast station and i can't even remember how you did it but you introduced yourself and then were flirting with me but in this way that was like very direct but not aggressive and then we pretty much very quickly became friends. What did you say to me?
1: I don't, it's something about, I don't know. I was probably commenting on the condiments that you were about (laughs) to use or were using on the toast. I mean, that seems like the obvious thing to, to comment on.
0: I don't know. I think you were very like, I don't think you were doing some sideways thing. Like, I think you were just like, do you want to talk or like, let's hang out or like, you look nice and I wanted to, to know you or something. I know it felt so direct and and genuine um, that I wasn't I wasn't like uh, I wasn't put on guard at all and oftentimes when strange men come up and speak to me, I get put on guard.
1: I probably said something along the lines of can we eat toast together?
0: yeah <laughs> yeah, probably something like that yes.
1: I mean, also, Eslin is the kind of place that opens people up. Yes. And so I was probably extra open and warm. And also, Eslin's kind of the kind of place where you can run into people that are just a little on the creepy side as well.
0: Yes. Like Harbin. <laughs> I've never been to Harbin, but yes, I, I've heard a lot about it and totally.
1: And I would be remiss if I didn't admit. That I had a crush on you.
0: When you met me at Toast?
1: Yeah, or it de- it, de- it developed over the weekend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I, I think I admitted that to you at some point. Yeah. And then you told me that you were unavailable mm-hmm. and you were in a relationship with a woman. Yes. And yeah. then our friendship, flourished from that point on
0: Yeah, was, i mean i think i told you pretty quickly that i was and then we um but i think i really liked that you even after i told you that i had a girlfriend and that i um was unavailable you were still interested in me as a human being and then i also really liked that i could tease you and we could rib each other about stuff you told me that you were there why you were there and what you were doing and then I proceeded to introduce you as a professional finger banger. Do you remember that?
1: <laughs> I remember it as finger blaster.
0: Finger blaster. I think we kept having a debate about whether it's called finger banging or finger blasting. and I think I was on the blasting side just because it felt more 80s.
1: Yeah, I like blasting. I mean, South Park, yeah. there was a finger bang, 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 bang episode where all the kids were in a boy band. Um, <laughs> but finger blast sounds sounds better to me. And it's also so such a crude way of describing the work that I was doing. Like it's so so not finger blasting, but also totally has a finger blasting component to it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> as so many things do.
1: They or should.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> but I I want to go back to that the this idea that people can be friends after one person express interest and the other person says they're not available.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I did, like I liked you as a person and I was super wanting to get naked with you. And just because that wasn't available didn't mean that I couldn't explore what a different type of relationship with you would look like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that people discount how you know you can have one entry into being attracted to somebody and it can it, and because of timing or because of orientation or because of anything it can shift and i think you're one of those wonderful examples of somebody who is uh really authentically interested in human beings and, and you're horny you know totally like and i think that's why you come across so well on your podcasts and all the work you do about being pro I don't know would you call it pro sexuality or sex positive but I think you do it so well because you are that and I think it's the same thing when people date and then they realize that they're not actually a good match that way and then they can redirect after a period of time of (laughs) not engaging because I do listen to your free love
1: advice as you should Yes, (laughs) this idea that we are attracted to each other. And I mean, we just people in general. Mm-hmm. And we don't always have to know what the reason is. And it also doesn't always have to be about a sexual connection. Yeah, There's a lot of people that I thought I was going to hook up with or that we were going to be in a relationship with. And turns out we're supposed to do a project together, like some creative project. Or we're supposed to be friends or we're supposed to go on a road trip or or we are supposed to fuck and then then not fuck and do something else after. Mm-hmm. But attraction is awesome because it it opens up an opportunity for something else. It doesn't always have to be sexual or romantic or intimate.
0: Yeah.
1: And we should we should listen to that attraction. Oh, okay. I'm attracted to this person. I wonder I wonder what it is that we might be able to do together if it's not be in a relationship, in a romantic relationship together.
0: Yeah, and we wanted to check in too because there's there's also pot, you know attractions that are rooted in wounded places, and so like to check in because with you, I always felt like we were attracted to each other in a way that was seemed really positive, and and even if it was like we had to navigated a little bit to figure out what what we were doing it felt it didn't feel like it was from some place of me wanting to or needing to re-wound myself to heal something but there are times where i've been attracted to somebody and i could start to feel like what why i was actually attracted to them was from a place of wounding that then i was like i need to stay away from this person just because i'm attracted to them doesn't mean i actually have to do anything with them
1: that's a really important point We will be attracted to people that we are just really wrong with.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's called my 20s. (laughs) We should run. Mm -hmm.
1: How do we know whether it's there's something bigger here or there's a little bit of work that needs to happen or this is actually detrimental to my progress, my spiritual progress?
0: I have some ideas about that.
1: Well, I was asking you. It was a question.
0: Oh, my idea about it and this is what i used to work i used to work with young people with substance abuse issues i would always ask them or try, try to get them to look at a different question so if you're starting to become attracted to somebody and we initially will say they're hot and why they're what we find hot about them and how do they make me feel And then those are ways that we can get blinded by those things, which are true. Like they make me feel this way, and I really like how they look or do X, Y, or Z. But um, when I ask myself, and when I've seen other people ask themselves, do I admire them and how they act in the world? What are the qualities about them that I admire? And if I can't answer that question clearly, okay, I admire that they show up for their friends or I admire that they uh, are a hard worker and I admire that they speak kindly to people because oftentimes I can become attracted to somebody. And when I look at that and I'm like, well, wait, I actually don't admire how they live. I don't admire how they um, treat people. And that's the ones where I'm like, I got to run. No matter how hot they are, no matter how much chemistry we have, I don't, I should not engage with them.
1: And can we admire someone and also can they be really wrong for us at the same time?
0: Mm, yes. <laughs> oh, Sean.
1: It's all fucked up. It's all fucked up. This is, I mean, I, I had an ex girlfriend that was totally together. We were toxic. And I admired the way that she showed up for her friends. And I admired the f- footloose and fancy freeness of her life. Mm -hmm. and it drove me crazy
0: i think maybe that's the uh, the other thing is like who am i when i'm with them do i admire myself how i am with them
1: i wasn't really proud of how i acted yeah (laughs) I, i threw tantrums little like literal tantrums like a child in a grocery store who doesn't get candy just stomping his feet and throwing stuff and i never done that before. I actually saw her. I saw her recently in Berlin. We hadn't seen each other in five years. And so we got together and we looked at each other for like a half hour. And at the end we were like, what the fuck were we doing? <laughs> we both couldn't answer it. We just obviously had some shit to deal with. It was like a, one of those contracts, like a soul mm-hmm. contract that was still open from some other life. Yeah. That had to be closed.
0: Yeah. I've had, have had one of those a big one like that
1: i wonder if like unresolved soul contract is another word for fucking toxic relationship that you shouldn't be in <laughs> and that's a new age way of explaining and justifying it
0: there's a something about that term and uh that is passive and somehow it's like it just has to happen and that I tend to want to, to veer away from. I think, yeah, that I, I can actually believe it, but then also I am I need to, maybe because of my own healing, I, I I think I need to use language that's more about like, there there's something here for me to learn or I, I'm going to choose to continue showing up or I chose to do this even though it was painful and I learned something from it. But when we go into this thing where we're like, there's a soul contract and there's nothing that if there's, if it's my soul, then it's bigger than anything. The way that M and we is like, I stopped using toxic and, and the like toxic people and the um, term narcissist, because there's so many ways that we just discount a nuanced experience as well as place blame.
1: I love all of that. We're talking about sovereignty and personal responsibility and yeah oh that person's toxic no our relationship was toxic because there's two people involved in the relationship it takes two people and if you choose to stay in a relationship that is toxic you are contributing to that toxicity yes it's incredibly empowering for you to remove yourself from that situation Mm -hmm. and it's really hard to do
0: and it's really hard to do.
1: <laughs> because oftentimes these relationships are incredibly exciting.
0: Yeah. And it feels bigger than us. And it it can feel spiritual. It can feel magic. It can feel like there's that feeling that most of us are striving for is to have something that is both giving us adrenaline and making us feel safe. I think that's why romance can be so difficult. For me, it has been.
1: I I have that right now.
0: The adrenaline and safety? Yeah. Oh. <laughs>
1: yeah. And the third part of that is incredible kindness. Mm. And I think that that's sometimes lacking in unhealthy relationships. The kindness piece.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it can it can really be lacking
1: <laughs> but the passion piece is there and the chemistry piece is there and the attraction and all that other stuff but when kindness is lacking i don't know that that's something that i want anymore
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think kindness trumps everything at this point in my life
0: yeah it totally does that was my question all the time. I'm like if whatever you're believing and whatever you're doing is it making you kinder both like to yourself and to others? The translation of any kind of like spiritual belief or therapeutic modality or self-help or anything it's I'm just not down for it unless it's really making me kinder. Yeah. Cuz there's Lots of stuff that feel good and feels good, and that makes me feel smart and makes me feel like I am holy, and makes me feel connected. But if it doesn't translate to me being able to navigate my relationships in a way to where I'm a kinder person and and to navigate my internal landscape in a way that's kinder, then it's it's not doing that. It ain't shit.
1: The internal landscape piece is really important, and it's often neglected.
0: Yeah, really often
1: neglected. (laughs) Yeah, I have clients that it's a lot of outward focus. How can I get them to, how can they be kinder to me? How can I be kinder to them? But but it's never on, how can I be kinder to myself?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And when people talk about self-care, like I'm not talking about yoga. (laughs) I'm talking about how do you speak to yourself?
0: Yeah.
1: It's the only relationship that we'll have for the rest of our lives. And and we often talk about ourselves to ourselves so negatively. Like I would never say to somebody the shit that I've said to myself.
0: Yeah, me too. <laughs> Definitely.
1: You're garbage. You're a fucking idiot. I've never called anybody a fucking idiot. Maybe my brother like t- 15 years ago.
0: <sighs> yeah. Or to just go, even to question, like, well, maybe you're hopeless. Mm. Like, maybe you're just a fuck up. Maybe, maybe you're not lovable. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even think I would never even look at another person and question whether, like, even the people who's, who've really harmed me. I don't do that. Like, maybe you're just not lovable.
1: Maybe you're not, you're not worth loving.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I think that has been a big journey for me about stopping certain questions. Cause they're just not even there. It's just unkind to even go down that questioning route.
1: And so what do you do? What changed?
0: Um, you know, there's the, I think people will often want to have like a pat answer about like you can't act your way into right thinking or no, you can't, you can't think your way into right action. You have to act your way into right thinking. Or if I want good self-esteem, do esteemable acts. Or the the opposite is that like, well, if you stop, if you start saying nice things to yourself, you're definitely going to start doing nice things. And it, I, for me, it's not a linear and not, I don't think any of the real healing that I've ever done has been a linear process. So it's been on all sides about being curious about like even just becoming aware. Cause I wasn't even aware. I wasn't aware that I had self-loathing. It just was the way I was. It just, it was my environment. My existence was this undercurrent of self-loathing. And then to be able to notice. And I think a lot of about meditation is that you do start to notice that there's a difference between your consciousness and your thoughts. The consciousness is the one who can see a thought, the one who can recognize fear, and so that is one part. Another part, though, is that is doing the acting of going. Well, if I if I treated would I treat anyone else like this? Would I do what? What would be loving acts each day? What is like I ask myself in situations? What's the most loving, brave thing I could do? Or if I really felt loved and. I knew I couldn't fail. What would I do? And then doing those things have, it's come about it at, a, at the, a change on several levels. So I, I didn't do affirmations. I, if I don't believe it and then it's a lie and then I just get, nor- get, get focused on lying to myself. And then the underlying thing for that is, well, I know really. I used to tell myself I was fat and my body was disgusting. And then I'd go, Oh no, you're beautiful. Your, your thighs are gorgeous, and then but I'm like, well, right, I actually don't believe that right now, so what if I just loved them the way they are? They might be ugly, but i they're deserving of my love because I'm the one in charge of them, you know, like I used to always think if I had a really ugly kid that was under my care like if they if they had all the things that I feared I was, would i would I think they weren't lovable and I'm like, no like They deserve my love. And so then I would, you know, translate that into how do how would I how do I treat people? How would I treat others? How would I then translating it into treating myself as well as feeling the hurt of what it feels like to be in the presence of hate. And I spent so many of my years of so many years of my life running from that hate in myself. So I do things to just stay in front of it. And busy so i wouldn't have to face it and so i i do spend time sometimes where i just go okay i'm going to i'm going to be present with it today i feel hateful to myself and not given any actions and not not react from it but i i actually do a thing where i make it a cup of tea and i sit down and i will sit with a pot of tea with me and my self hatred and just be present
1: you welcome it yeah you don't shut the door on it you open the door and say okay come on in have a seat let's make some tea you hateful yeah. little little asshole uh-huh. and let's let's get it over with mhm the more i push feelings away the more they come back yes There's no amount of Instagram, ice cream, casual sex, mindless scrolling, Mm -hmm. busy, 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 work, work, work that will keep all negative emotions at bay. It's not happening. I'll get sick. Yes. I'll get sick. I'll get a migraine. You'll you'll get a
0: migraine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When I was listening to you talk about your thighs... First thought is that I never got to see your naked thighs because you wouldn't go to the hot springs. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, at least if we can't hook up, maybe we can go soak naked in the tubs. And you were not about it, first of all. Mm. Second of all, <laughs> one of my past guests, Jenna Hollenstein, uh, is a uh, anti-diet nutritionist, anti-diet dietitian. And she wrote a book called Eat to Love, and it's fantastic. And it's mm. it's a book about changing your relationship to food and to life and to your body. And she talks about this practice that in the morning, when she bends over to put wrap the towel around her hair, you know, yeah, she looks at her body and and it's all flopping over, right? Boobs, belly, thighs, because she's bent over. It's like the most unflattering position ever. Yeah, and she just like greets her body. She says, "Hey, body." What's up? How's it hanging? Yeah. With no, no, like you're beautiful or you're ugly. Just, Hey, what's up? You're my body. Here you are. You're, you're totally useful to me. Mm -hmm. You allow me to live life. And when we remove that judgment, it just makes everything lighter.
0: Mm -hmm. There's for me, there's like the, my consciousness, my, that self that can, that can override and greet with love, all aspects of that. And what I do, and and I learned this from my friend, Noel Weatherwax, who is going to be teaching this course with me, um, is that I will treat parts of my body the way I would a kid that has been bullied at school. So I can't control all the time whether they're getting bullied. So if I know that like my thighs are bugging me today because I can't suppress all of that stuff and, and that today is a day where it's coming up and, and I have not been kind about my thighs. If, if I, when they come home, I will like give them extra special love and care because they have had a rough time. And so I like, she, you know, she makes all these oils and like, I, I will do things where I'll just go, okay, well, bless my heart. My poor thighs had a rough day. And I'm just going to give them some extra love. So I don't have to try to convince myself that I actually like the way it looks today or try to detach from all the programming I've had about what a woman's body should look like or what my body should look like or all these things that I've, I've tried and tried and tried and have been insurmountable to me. I know that I, I am somebody who wants, I love the underdog. I think that part of me that has the lovingness in it is capable of being nurturing and kind and sweet, especially when somebody's gotten beaten up. And so I've been doing that a lot lately where I'm like, oh, oh, arm, I was mean to you today. <laughs> you poor thing. I'm going to give you some some of this witch oil. Or I'm going to wash my hair because I wasn't happy with my hair today. Or I told my, you know, I told my face that it wasn't good enough today. And so I'm going to do something extra special, kind for it. And that has changed a lot because then I become, I become way more of a steward of myself and less of a victim of circumstance of myself.
1: A steward of yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The 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 like parent yourself is, has always been difficult for me because my I wasn't parented in a really extreme way, and so when people are like, "Oh, be a loving mother," I'm like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> no." Don't know.
1: Don't know what that looks like.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's like too many twinges of like really like I would have to unpack way too much in that to get it. But if I see myself as a steward of myself, that that it's really my job.
1: I like this idea of giving extra love to the part of your body that you speak negatively about
0: Mm -hmm.
1: instead of hiding it, you, you highlight it. Yeah. It's not about hiding anymore. It's about just accepting what is and accepting it and giving it attention.
0: Yeah. And then, and then it gets to this very clear thing of it, it, my body deserves love Really has translated to that that even it's not that my body does something to deserve love or looks a certain way or anything it just it gets me into the place where it actually core belief I don't have to argue with anything. It's of course my body deserves love. That is translated into when I am with a partner that I'm way more able to allow them to show love to parts of me that I used to hate because I am in the belief that it deserves love. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to look like a supermodel.
1: What if we took that concept and, and we just extended it to the whole being? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We all deserve love and we're all worthy of it. I am working on this concept of love is a birthright. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm by sheer nature of being born. That's all you need to be worthy and deserving of love. You have just had to have been born. If you're not born yet, not worthy. (laughs) If you've been born, worthy, totally worthy. No matter what fucked up things you've done or how terrible your childhood was or how society has fucked it all up, You're deserving of love and you're able to be loving, and everybody can learn how to love.
0: I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree with that.
1: Simple, but not easy.
0: Definitely not easy. Definitely a lifelong practice.
1: All of my advice is simple, but not easy. (laughs) I'm starting to figure that out. I'm in that space,
0: Mm -hmm. like any guru it's a parable.
1: <laughs> I'm just a student. <laughs> I really am. And I'm doing the best I can. For me, my journey of self-love was really started and develops in therapy. And in relationship with other people. Therapy, I'm, I'm pro-therapy. I'm, I'm just pro-therapy, pro-coaching, pro-third-party professionals. I really am. I, I I just think it everything's easier when you have an objective professional that's there to help. Yeah. So that's for me step 1 and step 2 is surrounding myself with people who talk to me the way I would want to talk to myself. For me that's just kind people that respect me as a person.
0: Mhm. And believe in me. It's a balance too cuz as I've gotten more vulnerable and sweet and loving I feel like my circle has gotten a lot smaller Mm -hmm. and that those people it's not just people who are like you're great you're great you're great but they're like you are great and they're gonna call me out on behaviors that I can grow on and they do it in a way that is kind as well and i really value mentoring so i i totally agree with all the therapy like people ask me why i get to be who i am because i i do come from a place of the kind of abuse that i remember watching social workers look at me like just thinking like i that you know they didn't expect much from me and then me getting to Really heal in a way that wasn't expected. And so much of that has been me being able to have people in my life all along, but all uh, that were, you know, therapists and teachers and counselors and things, but then also me searching out mentors people who had life skills that I wanted and then I get getting getting close to them or getting into some sort of apprenticeship or internship or anything I could to just see what they do and emulate it and ask them how they do what they do and that has been hugely effective for me
1: yeah level up the types of people that we're spending time with Mm -hmm. I like Was posted a story on Instagram and this guy replied, it's like just a sarcastic comment. And I just realized how normal it is for people to use sarcasm as a way to connect. And I was so uninterested in his approach. Because he was essentially just making fun of me. Mm -hmm. And I just realized also that I used to do that a lot. And I think it's really common. It's a common way for people to, to kind of connect because it's, it's kind of a distancing sort of connection. Yeah. And I just don't want those kinds of people in my life. And it's not the kind of person that I want to be anymore. I used to be super sarcastic and make jokes at people's expenses all the time. And I realized it's actually not very nice. It's not Mm -hmm. kind to be sarcastic. And people are probably saying like, oh, well, is there no way to have fun anymore? (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like there are plenty of ways of having fun that aren't at the expense of another person.
0: Yeah. I I was just helping my friend with their... Online dating thing, and they had put that they were sarcastic. And then all these people were writing, Yeah, my sarcastic hu- humor. And I'm like, Do they? They don't think they really know what sarcastic is. Like, people will call me sarcastic, and I'm like, No, I'm crude and profane and um, silly and playful, but I'm not sarcastic. Sarcastic is, it actually comes from the Latin words to rip flesh. But sarcasm is about being mean, and I'm not. So I used to be more sarcastic, but I don't really believe I'm sarcastic at all anymore. I just don't think, I don't, I think people tend to not really know what it is. And then they think that if you're, you know, you're crude, that you're sarcastic and it's like not the same thing at all.
1: Yeah. It's a basic form of humor and it's not very, it's not very sophisticated. Mm-mm. And it's usually at the expense of another person. Whereas crude humor is just crude. It's not it's also basic and it's not very sophisticated. Mm-hmm. But it's at it's not at the expense of another human being.
0: Yeah. That's actually one of the rules on my my page of, of like what I post and what I don't. And I when I, I post a lot of memes and so I go I look at them quickly and then my I go through this list of rules about them. And one the the major one is is it kind? if it could all could it all be construed as making fun of somebody or or finding any kind of joy in the misfortune of others then even if i think it's really funny in the moment i don't post it and if i post something and then i question it like was it unkind then i take it down because i don't even want to question that stuff
1: we should do that with people in our life <laughs>
0: Is just question, are they making fun of others?
1: Yeah. Are they kind? Mm-hmm. And if, if they're not, I take them down mm-hmm. with a hatchet <laughs> to the back of the knee. Yeah. Earlier, you talked about uh, this word narcissism, that you don't use it anymore. And I get the impression that that's one of those words that people really throw around without actually knowing what it means. Yeah. Narcissism is it's like narcissistic personality disorder. It's it's a serious thing. Yes. And just because somebody likes to hear themselves talk or they like the way they look doesn't mean they're narcissists.
0: Yeah. Or they were selfish within a re- certain relationship or all of that. I think there's a way that that especially online there there's been this wave of people You know, name the narcissist, and I was with a narcissist, and these are the checklists for a narcissist. And I'm like, you could just take that label out of it and just go, am, you know, like, do I feel this way with this person? I should not be with that person. I don't need to make them into some pathological being. Like, I think we the the idea of pathologizing people in order so that we can make positive choices for ourselves. is dangerous. And I think I, I just like all of those memes and things like they can be really beneficial, but why do we need to have a label on a human being, especially when it's so there's so often it's a deflection. Like I chose to be with this person and, if I notice that I did all these things or I didn't notice when they did X, Y, and Z, that's something for me to heal. Not that we ever discount what people did because people are jerks. People do horrible stuff and relationships can bring out the worst in people. I just don't want to use that word anymore. It's a powerlessness, I think. And it's, it's a shortcut, especially being somebody who is talking about spirituality and personal development i i want to l- stay really far away from surety cuz that's that's where i think we go wrong a lot is that there's this sh- people are just wanting to find the answer and it's always some sort of balance it's always some sort of like well it's kind of this way and it's kind of that way and then finding the ambiguity in the midst of it i don't use that word anymore even even though like a lot of my therapy was like dealing with You know, my therapists really truly believe that I had a narcissistic mother, who was who could actually be diagnosed as narcissistic personality disorder, among other things.
1: The numbers are really low in terms of like who has NPD. Yes, super low. I mean, it's like I forget what it is—less than one percent. But it sounds like half of the people have NPD, or half the people that you had—not you, but you the bigger you had a shitty relationship with turns out they're a narcissist well they're they're not they're probably just a shitty person and you're also not taking responsibility for staying in a relationship that was unhealthy yeah for whatever reason for the potential that you thought it could be realized or who knows i now i'm wondering why i stayed in that unhealthy relationship
0: Well, and bless our hearts, we do it. We stay. We we take longer than we think we should. Like I think that that's the other thing is like wanting to pathologize ourselves. Well, it's because I have this or that or whatever. And it's like, bless our hearts, we do that. Maybe we stayed because we just were tired and we didn't have the energy to get out. Maybe we stayed because we needed to be sure and prove to ourselves that this really, really, really was not workable because there, there's always some good thing in the midst of it. Everyone does what they do for a really good reason. Being a writer, we have to look at that. Like It doesn't matter whether I'm writing, especially if I'm writing a memoir, I have to look compassionately at every character because if I don't, they're going to be flat and I'm going to look like I'm just complaining. And with any kind of writing of any character, you're going to need to know what their motivation is. And and when you start digging, it's not an excuse, it's a motivation. And every sick, stupid thing I've ever done has had actually a, a motivation that was actually kind of rooted in love for myself. It, it, it's misguided, but, you know, it's always a good reason.
1: You wanted to be in a relationship. You saw a lot of good in this relationship. Very few relationships are all bad. There's usually some really nice parts of those relationships and that sometimes we value those more than the bad parts. And we stick around in the hopes that maybe things will change. Or sometimes we stick around because we're scared that this is actually the best that we can do. Mm -hmm. Or we stick around because we don't think we're worthy of more. Or we stick around because we don't want to be alone. Because when you're alone, <laughs> you got to face your shit. Yeah. It's really hard to be alone. And when you've been alone for a really long time, it's really hard to be in a relationship.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: And also, everything is a paradox. Everything.
0: See, I think, I think uh, Sean, you should maybe start a religion.
1: I don't, I just, I just want to help people. Mm-hmm. I just want to help people. Love themselves more, have a lighter touch on the world, um, struggle less, and love themselves, yeah, love themselves more that's the f- I've said it once and i'll say it again. <laughs> Will you tell us where to find you and all of your poop memes? <laughs>
0: Um, So I'm on Instagram at spiritual underscore AF. I also am on Instagram at writer's resource. And then my name is Roxanne McDonald, R-O-X-A-N, like a chemical, Roxanne McDonald, like the French fry place. And then you can find me just by Googling me, Roxanne McDonald. Oh, and I have a podcast now called Spiritual AF or whatever. And or whatever is mostly us just talking about poop. Okay, (laughs) just one episode. We tried to talk about sobriety, and I ended up. We ended up telling all these stories about when we like crapped ourselves or almost crapped ourselves.
1: Just FYI, I can partake in that discussion as well.
0: Really, that's what we should have talked about. Yeah, (laughs) except for I, I, I uh, I already told those stories on my podcast, but I want to hear yours. You'll have to come on my podcast.
1: Yeah. Invite me on your podcast. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Final question. Yes, sir. What does love mean to you?
0: Oh, man. That's a difficult question. I think, oh, what does love mean to me?
1: It's not exactly a surprise question if you've heard my show.
0: I, 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 You know what? I listen to your show all the time, but I just once. I it's my drive is thirty minutes, so I don't get to the very end.
1: Well, surprise! This is how it ends.
0: Dang it! Okay, what does love mean to me? I wish that I would have listened to your whole podcast. Now, um, I, I guess it just keeps coming down to kindness and about like it, it's a a a, a direction.
1: You
0: no. Know, I don't know I need to listen to what people answer to this, no look,
1: just tap tap in,
0: uh-huh,
1: tap into the inside in the rocks and on the inside,
0: <laughs> you know I'm just gonna I'll just be really honest is like when I think of love i I think about my brother and this inexplicable thing, like we we came from a really bad place where love wasn't shown to us, and there there was something innate in how he was with me and it was about caring for me and caring for my heart. I think it's that thing that it's like there's an innate meh, there's an innate quality of humanness that even if you aren't taught you'll have access to. When you first ask me what I think about love, I think about being in the woods with my brother and him just saying, like, I you could do anything and you'd still be special. You're worthy. <laughs> so are you, Sean.
1: Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for your time and your openness and for showing us your heart.
0: Thank you. you you're you doing great stuff out there, Sean. I always tell you that.
1: Hey, lovebirds. Thanks for spending this hour with Roxanne and myself and for listening all the way to the end. If you're hearing this, you're the kind of person who, if you ever came on my podcast, would be able to answer what does love mean to you because you wouldn't be blindsided by the question. <laughs> Thanks for your support, everybody. It means a lot. It really does. And um, I'm sending emails now twice-weekly reminders that love is real in your email box. I personally think they're fantastic. If you want to be part of the email list, which will also give you access to the group programs as soon as they get launched, and there's going to be quite a few in 2020, group coaching programs online with a limited amount of members. And in early 2020, here are the topics that I am proposing. One, how to open your heart to love two, all about boundaries, three, desires and needs, and four, exquisite communication. So if you want to find out about these as soon as they get launched, click the link in this bio, sign up for the newsletter, go to thelovedrive.com forward slash newsletter, send me a DM, I'll send you a link, go to my website, thelovedrive.com, right there on the homepage, there's a sign up box for you. And in the meantime, have a beautiful week.